Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm very excited to introduce our guest, Daniel Nugent Bowman of The Athletic, who covers the Edmonton Oilers. Thanks so much for, for coming on, especially with the Oilers in the playoffs right now. So I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on. Oh, you're very welcome, Alex. It's nice to be on with you and just sitting in my hotel in, in Vegas. So uh, uh couldn't think of anything better to do because I'm not really a big Vegas guy. Uh, okay. Gotta say. So it's it's all good. I'm happy to join you today. No, no, I feel that. I don't think I'm a Vegas guy too. So uh, it's it's probably pretty fun uh, covering uh, the Oilers in, in, in Vegas. I have, a, I have a kind of fun question for you. And obviously, uh, how many times do Oilers fans or people – in the organization or people ask you if you're related to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, how much does that come up? I had a feeling that one was coming yeah. Uh, yeah. as you started to uh, form formulate your question there, but yeah, it, it, you know what? It, it still comes up from time to time. It's not nearly as much as when I first started on the beat. This is my, my fifth year. Um, so uh, <laughs> there was kind of an infamous press conference with, with Oilers general manager, Ken Holland um, it was two years ago where I asked him a question pretty early on and it kind of, kind of sparked discussion amongst the other uh, writers. And he kept referring back to my question and he kept calling me Daniel Nugent Hopkins. And I might tell my phone was blowing up from other, um, you know, media members and, and, and some friends that I know that, that like the others and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it does happen from time to time, especially when I go to, you know, other cities and, and other reporters that I'm meeting for the first time and, and they'll ask, but uh, yeah, purely coincidence. Um, but a, a, obviously a, a funny one or an odd one of that. Do you have a, like a, a kind of funny relationship with Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Like because of that now, is it forged something around that? Not particularly, but it is funny because my, my mother, so I, uh, he's got the same scenario where um, our mothers are Nugent's and our, our fathers have the other part of the last name. And for the kids, they, they put them, you know, the, the, you know, last names together and hyphenated them. Um, so my mother has a cousin that she, she doesn't know very well, but named Debbie Nugent, and that happens to be Ryan's mother's name. Uh, so it's purely, it is purely coincidental. But uh, again, it, it is funny how it how it works out to have. I mean, I could cover any any team, or, or Ryan Nugent Hopkins could have been anywhere else in the league, but here we both are in, in Edmonton. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely the the least popular. <laughs> uh, nuge as they, as they say so uh and that's fine it deserves to be that way it, one guy's making infinitely more money than i am and has, <laughs> uh, has a lot more to do with uh uh you know the the well-being of the oilers so that that's fine that's fine with me i'll, I'll take backseat to him <laughs> and i want to ask a little bit about your career and when did you first think you you might want to pursue a career in, in sports journalism and writing yeah i mean i was probably in in grade like nine or 10, really, like it, I, I kind of knew from a pretty young age. And, and part of that was, you know, I had uh, teachers uh, when I was very young, like three, four, very sorry, you know, grade three, four, five, just telling my parents, especially my mom over and over that I need to expand my horizons. And, and because of that, um, what I mean by that rather is I, every assignment had to have some kind of sports or hockey component mm. to it. If there was a, uh, writing assignment that's what I was writing about um, when I came home it was quickly do the homework and and go play road hockey or uh, you know I played hockey or baseball or whatever I wasn't like my wife will say like oh didn't you play in the dirt or didn't you 
go on the playground and stuff. And I, no, like I was really interested <laughs> in playing sports. So, uh, but when it came, I was always, I'm about five, eight, five, nine now. And um, I was pretty much that height when I was 12 or 13. I was one of the biggest kids and I just kind of stopped growing. And when that happened, it was like, well, probably not going to be a professional athlete, but I did like writing and I still love sports, especially hockey. So why not combine that? And um, yeah, I, I tried to pursue that pretty head on um, from early on in high school. And it goes, again, I had an English teacher kind of cap my, I had the same English teacher in grade nine or 10 as I did in grade 12. In grade 12, he said, you get one hockey assignment that you're going to do. And, that, and that's it. I'm not taking any more. So um, that that's kind of how, how it was for me. I got, again, I got to the point, I guess, in grade 12 where I didn't take, you know, math or sciences. I'm not maybe saying that this, that's the best course of action for everyone, but I kind of knew I should get into the all the arts uh, types of of, um, of classes so that I could I could put myself in the best um, uh, situation to to move on to journalism and um, yeah, I went to the University of Ottawa and Algonquin College in, in Ottawa. They had a combined program and uh, graduated in two thousand nine and pretty much been in the industry ever since. And um, it's been a been a, a wild ride and, and a good one. And and what's it been like for you writing for the Athletic and and covering covering the Oilers and and Connor McDavid night in and night out? Yeah, he's certainly the most like electrifying player that I that I've ever seen. And you know, I I remember the first time I I I mean I covered him in the in the 2014 World Juniors, but he was he was 16, um, really kind of miscast in that tournament. Um, uh, playing a lot of wing, uh, playing up and down the lineup, and um, you still saw some glimpses at, in practice. But I remember uh, within the fall of 2018, I guess was my first time of it. My first uh, when I started on the Oilers beat for the Athletic, and um, I remember just watching him in practice and was like, "Holy cow!" Like the first two steps are unlike anything I've ever seen. And you know, he's the greatest skater I've ever I've ever seen. I, I did a story with my colleagues Thomas Drance and Dan Robson last year during the playoffs where we contacted a bunch of, you know, who we thought were some of the NHL's best skaters. So in the history of the game, we got uh, um, you know Paul Coffey and and Mike Medano, um, Paul Correa. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer. I know there's somebody else. Mike Gartner, I think was the other one. And they all kind of were talking about how just how explosive this guy's skating was and how he's the best skater, you know, that they've ever seen. It's uh, Paul Korea was saying it was kind of like a cheat code, the, you know, a video game uh, cheat code. And, and that's, I know other people have used that analogy too. But um, yeah, and the thing about, about Connor McDavid is this year, and I, and I wrote about him recently, you know, uh, before the playoffs. Um, he's really kind of opened up, um, I think, off the ice in terms of being a. He's a bit older now. He's now he's twenty six. Been in the league for a long time, and uh, just gained a lot more perspective and, and has some out, more outside interests than he did before. And uh, seems just a lot more comfortable in his own skin, not only around his teammates and, and being more assertive as a leader, but also uh, being more comfortable just speaking with the media. Um, the latest example I think was after they beat the Oilers, beat the Kings on uh last saturday and i, I think that was the, the, maybe the best post game news conference i've ever seen from Connor mcdavid where he was very eloquent very thoughtful in his answers and expansive uh that hap- that helps obviously when you win a game but uh win a series but uh i think he uh has really kind of 
uh, open up in a way that we haven't seen before. So not only now are we getting the benefit of watching Connor McDavid, the hockey player, and kind of being able to write and kind of revel in that that kind of magic, but now we're getting kind of a little bit more insight from him and, and being able to tell better stories about him in the process. And and when you're writing stories about McDavid and the Oilers, what's your process for for writing about them and, and, and Connor McDavid? Well, I'm lucky at the Athletic where we traditionally don't do many game stories because, you know, we're a subscription-based site and, um, you know, there's lots of other, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but there are lots of other uh, media outlets in, in Edmonton that are, that are kind of focusing on the game. Uh, and so we're trying to tell either behind the scenes stuff or a different angle, or maybe it's a, a great column idea, uh, an opinion piece. I, I don't do that a ton, but um, in the playoffs, we, we do do a lot more of the kind of the, nitty gritty and game stuff because it's it's just so much more important than um than it is over an 82 game season but you know i try my goal it doesn't it's not it doesn't always work out perfectly or i can't i don't i can't you know uh, say that i do it i'm able to do it every time but try to find something a little bit different that somebody else um either isn't thinking about or or, or kind of secondary story that i could blow up into the bigger one or um kind of again try to tell um, a really in-depth feature, as I, I think I did with, uh, for McDavid maybe two weeks ago, um, where people are um, coming to our site for a reason and, and they're paying to have their comp- the, the coverage differentiated a little bit. And that's what I'm trying to provide. So um can't say I'm the best on the beat or, or do it perfectly all the time, but I'm just trying to find a different way to, to do it to give people a reason uh, to read my stuff. And especially in the playoffs where... Um, there's more media around there's there's people are trying to tell more and more of of you know the, the story of the day and, and you try to find something a little bit different to give your 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 readers a little uh, more of a reason to come and read you you mentioned that you you found a, a different story about mcdavid can you give me an example where you've done something that may be written about um a story that people aren't writing about whether it's the mcdavid story or another that really comes to your mind yeah, I mean, I'll give you the, the example from a couple of weeks ago. I, I think it was published the day of the first playoff game. Might have been the day before. Um, and everyone knows that Conor McDavid just had this unbelievable season where, you know, he led the league outright in goals and assists and points. And he won his first Rocket Richard Trophy and, and another um, um, Art Ross Trophy. And he's going to win the MVP. Everyone, everyone knows that. Um so I needed to do a big feature on him and it was kind of like, well, how did he do it? Well, I think a lot of it is people want to focus on the goals and and that was kind of the, the first touchstone, um, a point that I had in terms of going about writing the article and learned a little bit about how he, you know, emulated Austin Matthews uh, approach. They share an agency and, um, um, uh, you know, that, that, that helped him. You know, he certainly, shot a lot of pucks this summer and, and there was the volume was there, but he took a little bit more of a studious approach, I would say, into to trying to improve his shot, uh, have a little bit more of a shooter's mindset. But, you know, it, and again, I, what I try to do is um, talk to different people. And uh, his mom was, I talked to his mom, uh, Kelly, and she was very, um, very helpful uh, for the piece. And again, as I, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, it was um, just how she, she told me about um, Connor, McDavid taking on, uh, kind of developing more of his interests, um, reading leadership and team uh, and, and self-improvement uh, type books and 
uh, taking some finance courses, um, just kind of getting, being a lot more kind of loving and warm around his family and, and, and finding different avenues to kind of uh, get away from the game on off days. Certainly one of, if not the most driven player in the league and, and just really known for wanting to improve, wanting to lead the others to success. Um, but he realized that it can't consume him all the time. And so it was kind of a two-pronged article as to how he actually did improve uh, in terms of the hockey on ice stuff. But also there's a little bit more to it. And you kind of peel back another layer of the onion, which I think led to a, to a pretty good piece. Mm-hmm. And how do you, I, I'm just thinking, how do you cultivate or uh, create a relationship with Connor McDavid's mom or anyone else? Like how do you, find sources and, and relationships for these stories. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. It, it does take, excuse me, it does take a little bit of time. Um, and, and this being my fifth year on the beat, I, I think I've been able to kind of cultivate a few of those outside um, relationships, but it's getting to trying to get to know family. And um, so my first year on the beat, I, um, you know, Connor McDavid's agent is, is Jeff Jackson. And I think everyone knows that. And um, I just went through him to see, Oh, could I do a story on, excuse me, on Connor's mom and did a Mother's Day piece on her. And I actually went to um, their child, but still their, um, their house, uh, Kelly and, and her husband, Brian, Connor's dad, they still live there. Uh, but it was the house obviously Connor grew up in. So I got to spend a little time with her at their house and, and she got to know me and um, build up a little bit of trust that way. And, um, you know, sorry, excuse me, you do it for other people as well. You know, got to know, Say uh, Jay Wood, Jay Woodcroft has got two the Oilers coach um, has got two brothers. I've got to know one of them particularly well, and you just try to keep cultivating relationships with um, with family members, and and that that kind of helps with stories. So I ju- I just want to ask a little bit about the Oilers, and 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 obviously McDavid and Drysaddle have had kind of stumbled in the playoffs a lot, but the past couple of years. Um, at least last year, obviously they made the conference finals, and and once again this year they're in the second round. Do you see anything different in, in this year's Oilers team from past years, and and what have you made of their play so far in the playoffs? Yeah, and I think we saw last season that you know Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl really led led the team to the third round. You know McDavid had thirty three points in sixteen games, Draisaitl thirty two, and Draisaitl doing that you know, on one leg for the last, you know, 10 plus games of that playoff run after he sustained a high ankle sprain in, in the sixth game against Los Angeles. And they had some other contributions too, like Vander Kane had, had 13 goals in 15 games. Um, Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hawkins certainly stepped up, but this year they just have more depth than they've ever had before. I mean, pre-Jay Woodcroft uh, coming on to coach the team last last February, the bottom, like anytime McDavid and Drysaddle and or Drysaddle weren't on the ice, it was just disastrous for this yeah. team. Um, it was just, it was just a black hole. At the beginning of, of last season, especially when they struggled, they were getting outscored like two to one without those players on the ice, which you know that's not a recipe for success. That's disastrous, really. And this year at five on five without those two players on the ice, they outscored the opposition seventy four to sixty. And so that's a huge huge improvement to the point where they're not just you know, treading water even they're they're having success. And um we even saw that in the first round against against the Kings where it's that same scenario that I that I just mentioned, you know, they outscored the Kings four to three. And if you're 
top guys are their top guys that, that they are, and you're getting you know your bottom six to to punch the other team, you're gonna have a lot of success. Like the power play is just lethal. It, it's gotten better. Uh, I mean, I guess last season it was third, um, but you know, two finishing first the previous two years. And this season, you know, it's about been historically the best power play in, in league history. And they were nine for 16 um, against the Kings. So it was about as close to an automatic goal as you can get uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, the power play certainly helps. Um, but they're a better, much better five on five team than they've ever been. So to me, it's just, it's going to come down to them staying out of the box. They've shown to be a little bit undisciplined and their penalty kill hasn't been, hasn't been all that great. Uh, and goaltending matters so much, and Stuart Skinner, for as well as he played uh, during the regular season last year, just wasn't quite at that same level, uh, obviously getting pulled there, especially in Game 4. Um, but um, goaltending is going to matter and, and staying out of the box, and as long as they can do those two things, uh, I really like their chances of, of having a nice long playoff run this year. And and with that, like in your mind, like the it seems as though the playoffs are wide open now. Obviously, Boston, Tampa, Colorado, like all the teams that have won the cup, and and obviously Boston who had the historic year. Mm-hmm. Is this are they the favorites to win the cup right now in your mind? Like, are they in pole position? Pretty close to it. I mean, the betting favorites are you know Tampa and Toronto, and Toronto obviously just lost the first game. Um of their series against Florida the other night. But, yeah, I mean, I had them going to the cup final before the playoffs. I really see no reason for me to change that that vote. I think even though they're the road team against Vegas in terms of, you know, uh, the, you know lower seed, I, I think they're the favorites against Vegas. Um, Dallas, should they play, play Dallas, would present a bit of a, a challenge. I, Mira Heiskanen, is one of the few defensemen in the league that can that can give McDavid some trouble, uh, and they probably have the best goaltender remaining in Jake Ottinger. So um, that would be a, a tough test for the Oilers, no, without question. Um, but yeah, I, to your point, everything's wide open. I mean, Florida barely made the playoffs. Toronto, perfect. No, uh, you look at the other series. Uh, you know, New Jersey's still pretty green and. And um, Carolina's got a lot of injuries, so I think it is pretty wide open. If the others aren't the favorite, they've, they've got to be right right there uh, with, say, I don't know, Dallas or, or Toronto. I, I mean, I, I do like Vegas, but naturally, if I think Edmonton's going to be Vegas, then I, I can't think you know, quite as highly of them. But um, there are a few good teams left, but I, I, I really like what they always have, uh, both as you know, a roster and maybe, maybe the path. Um, to to a cup too. So. Uh, to to go off that, like it, it's it's so curious to me because a lot of times you hear analysts say in the playoffs it's a three two game, but the Oilers uh, are scoring what four goals a game in the first round, giving up three. So for you, can can the Oilers be successful if they're winning games four three? Like, is their offense that good that if they just give up three goals a game, they can still go all the way and win the cup? Is that a successful formula in your mind? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, the, the, as you mentioned, it kind of bucks the the uh, typical you know trend or historic um, yeah, the way that the historics are norm- historic playoffs have gone normally historically. But um, there, I see no reason that they they can't. I mean, I, I think the one caveat would be is if the officiating is is going to be kind of 
called the same standard that it normally is in the regular season. And it, maybe uh, Isaac, it has has been. I don't, I, the Oilers certainly they had 16 power plays to um, to Los Angeles, uh, having 21 in that series. I think part of that was, um, you know, discipline issues for the Oilers. Um, you know, they need to create be on the ideally be on the positive end of that of that you know power play ledger, but if the power play is going to keep operating, even if it operates at, you know, the 33% or, or whatever that it did at the regular season, I mean, that's going to get them pretty far. And it's going to be over 50 as it was against the Kings. And, um, and, and Vegas doesn't have a very good power play. I mean, the owners are going to win a lot of games like, that way. So therefore their mantra in the, in the regular season was three or less. And mm. they, they thought they could win goal uh, games, allowing three goals or fewer. And they, they did that and you know if you're going to win four three games uh, you know the others are the one team that usually can can produce offensively and so again as long as the standard of officiating kind of closely mimics that of the regular season the others should be pretty fine and I want to go to Drysidle because he's been such a monster in the playoffs and if you look at his totals he's actually had a bit better stats than Connor McDavid in the playoffs. What do you think makes Leon Dreisaitl such a good playoff performer? Well, one thing is that when they're on separate lines, he usually gets the the better matchup. So that that helps him having being being the second fiddle to Connor McDavid has his advantages. Now having said that, a lot of times in the playoffs and we saw that last year, uh, partly or mostly because of of Dreisaitl being hurt. Is they do play together, and they have they play together the back half of that King series in the first round, as Jay Woodcroft tried to get away from, uh, um, you know, having one of Kopitar or Dano uh, face one of them, so um, they can feed off each other a little bit. That helps when they're apart. You know, he can drive his own line too. I think he's, you know, certainly he's a different player than Connor McDavid. He's a lot more of a like Jay Woodcroft likes to describe him as the modern day power forward, where he can. Um, uses body effectively. He's a bigger guy than, than Connor McDavid. Um, certainly likes to operate a little bit more um, off, you know, cycles and, and 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 within the offensive zone as to you know compared to McDavid, who's more rush oriented. Not to say that certainly McDavid no. can't do yeah. that either, but um, you know, I, I think that is typically more how how the playoffs are are, are played and how goals are scored. So. Um, you know, he's got, uh, funny saying this because Connor McDavid scored 64 goals, but, you know, Dreisaitl has been the, the highest scoring uh, forward over the last five, player over the last five years in terms of goals. You know, he's got 350 goal seasons uh, to his credit in that time. And is regarded by his peers in terms of the player pool as being the best passer in the league. So hmm. that's a pretty, you know, unique and well-rounded offensive player. Um, and somebody that, you know, Zach Hyman likes to call him a past first 50 goal scorer. So <laughs> I think the numbers are pretty close between he and Connor. I mean, I, 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 obviously Dreisaitl does have a bit of an edge, but when you're having to kind of, you're an opposing team, you're having to game plan between those two guys, whether they're on the same line or not, it's just you're kind of picking your poison. And I think Dreisaitl's maybe got, a little bit of the the benefit again of of having maybe some better matchups at times, but he's also a player certainly capable of of taking advantage of that and and having kind of a well rounded, uh, you know, offensive arsenal that uh, 
that he's been able to put into pretty good practice here. And and you mentioned that they played them together at the last three games of the King series. I know you, I think you reported that they're probably going to be starting tonight um, in Vegas on the same line. Um, do you think that's the right approach to to keep them together if you're Jay Woodcroft or, or would you keep them separated or was it just depends on the matchup in, in the series? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm in favor of of separating them as as much as you possibly can. I see why Woodcroft did it uh, in the King series, and I like that he did it. I, it 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 kind of swung that series. Um, you know, they they started doing it at the start of Game Four, and they're down they're down three nothing, and then you kicked that into overdrive for you know from the second period onward, and and the Oilers dominated the series from that point on. Again, it, it got it kind of created some issues for. Um, Kings coach Todd McClellan as to who the heck they're going to play against that line and then what they're going to do with the next line. And so they tried Kopitar going ahead to head to head against them and then they switched in game six to Deneau and they really found the right formula. And um, um, so that, that helped in that series. But again, I would, I think ideally you're separating them and then you're, you're, um, you know what those two guys can do and you're, you can, you can play that, you know that trump card later if you need if you need it. Um, Vegas, I think, is a little bit more well rounded than than uh, than the Kings and and you know giving having those two players run their own lines, I think, would be the better, for my opinion, would, would be the better play. But it doesn't appear that that's how they're going to start the series. And you you also wrote about um, Bouchard and Ekholm's partnership a couple days ago, I think maybe a week ago, and how they've been so successful together. What has that pairing brought to the Oilers' defense that maybe this team was missing in their previous playoff runs? Yeah, you know what? It's from a from a perspective of Evan Bouchard, Ekholm's like the perfect partner for him. It, it, we saw that last season with Duncan Keith when they were paired together in the second half. But Ekholm is a better defender, younger, more physical. He's a better version of Duncan Keith at, at that point in Duncan Keith's yeah. career. We're talking, you know, we're talking about a 39 or 38 no. year old Duncan Keith, you know, back home in, in his early thirties and, and has a lot more left in the tank. And it frees uh, uh, Bouchard up to do the types of things that he's good at moving the puck, you know, maybe ju- jumping up in the rush a little bit. Um, certainly getting at home had the um, other kind of effect that it cost them, uh, Tyson Berry in, in that trade and now from the, that point on uh, Bouchard's been able to run the power play um, which gives him a lot more confidence like he, he he's went through some stretches you know this season where he didn't produce much and, and didn't score um, and I was kind of draining his confidence a little bit and uh, you know now he just gets those offensive touches more which again suits his his, um, his game but it also you know, it kind of round well. It rounds out that already amazing power play. It just gives them another weapon where it's not that Tyson Berry couldn't shoot, and he has a pretty good shot. Um, but he's a lot more. He was a better. He's he's a better uh, facilitator of the puck than, than Bouchard at this point, anyway. But uh, Bouchard certainly has a, a heavier shot that um, than Berry, and is is not afraid to use it too. So. It just gives that power play just another dimension that it didn't have, and um, it's that trade has worked out so well for Bouchard, but for the Oilers too, because now they really lack the second pair after Duncan Keith retired. They were using 
Barry and Bouchard a lot, or sorry, Barry and um, uh, Brett Kulak a lot, um, which was a third pair for them last season. A uh, very good third pair, but they have, have to be elevated. They didn't have a really, uh, you know, concrete spot for Bouchard, who should be a top four defenseman at this stage of his career. And now they're able to kind of put him with, with Ekholm and, and, you know, those two guys, um, they go together so well because they, they complement each other's skill sets so well. Mm-hmm. And, and you you mentioned about Bouchard and, and the power play, and we talked about it briefly, but their power play has been so good this year and so historic. What do you think has made this power play basically the best of all time, at least statistically, compared to previous years when they had McDavid and Dreisaitl? Yeah, I mean, the power play has always been very good to elite. I think, like, the power play did take a tiny step when with Bouchard running it compared to Barry, you know, not much that it's um, anything really to write home about, but um, it's just every player on that power play is a weapon. Um, they, they call it street hockey, you know, where they're kind of going around and trying different things. Um, but every player kind of has a different role where, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins c- can be the bumper. He can play on the left side. McDavid could play anywhere on the ice. He's just his ultimate rover going around, you know, Dreisaitl can um, pass from either side, go on either half wall. Um, Dreisaitl can score from really the top of the circle to below the goal line. Now you have Bouchard on the point um, uh, with a shot. You know, they got Zach Hyman uh, in front of the net, and, and those four forwards had 15 goals each, uh, which was the first time in NHL history that the teams had 15 or four 15 goal power, power play uh, scores. So, um, he just kind of speaks. I mean, everyone is does something. Everyone does more than one thing. Maybe not Hyman, who's usually in front of the net, but um, they all have a role. And you never know what that role is going to be. So if you're the opposition trying to game plan for it, yeah, they have their set plays. You know, McDavid to dry saddle for one timer, or Connor McDavid kind of looping down from from the blue line and, and kind of walking into a shot. Or you know, they have some some set plays, um, but you never know when they're coming because they can do so many other things too. And then there's the, the ultimate kind of uh, wild card of, oh, Bouchard's going to carry the puck out of the zone, drop to McDavid, and he's going to start flying uh, with one fewer player on the ice for your team. So they can create off the rush too. So it's, um, I would want a penalty kill against the other's power play, but um, it just speaks to me. They have all these guys like in their prime doing different things on the ice. And um, it's, it's 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 it gets to the point where I said you know earlier where Kings series nine for sixteen they played Vegas they played Vegas obviously in this series and the last time these two play, teams played on March twenty eighth was for three for three and it just looked like they were going to score at every power play so um, yeah if Vegas wants to take penalties that that's the one way I can see the series being a short one where the Oilers just just dine out on the power play early in the series but it's. Uh, it's a very unique power play and certainly best in league. And, and you and Jesse Granger, I think today wrote a little bit about the preview of the, the Knights versus Oilers series. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know what as an Oilers fan should Oilers fans be most worried about with um, the Oilers playing uh, the Golden Knights? Like what, what should they be fearful of? I think it's Vegas's four check. Um, they're, they're a very good four checking team. The Oilers do have some guys who move the puck uh, at home. Obviously, Bouchard. Um, they have Nurse and, and, and Kulak, who, who would say more skated out of trouble. 
but I don't think they're the best puck moving, you know, defense core in, in the NHL. So if Vegas wants to kind of get on the Oilers' defense and, and hound them a little bit, that could create some issues, I think, for the Oilers. I would say Vegas, if you're looking at their forward core as a whole, maybe would have, you know, better um, depth one through four in terms of the lines. But again, I, I don't, I think that's overblown. I, I think Edmonton's forwards, especially, as, you know, I talked about earlier where their depth is now, it's depth guys are now scoring, scoring the opposition's depth. I think the others can punch with, with Vegas in that regard. So, um, but certainly I think they pose a little bit more of a threat. Um, Vegas does that than Los Angeles in terms of their, their full four, four, four forward lines. Like Los Angeles really didn't have a fourth line that, Coach Tom McClellan could trust. You could see that throughout the course of the series. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the goaltending is is the other issue where I think Stuart Skinner's got to step up his game. But on the other end, the Oilers should be able to get to Laura Francois. You know, he's a former backup here at Edmonton. Certainly not a guy that um, he, you know has a lot of uh, cachet around the league and is not regarded as a, as a top goaltender in the league. Um, certainly deserves his, his full marks for winning a series in five games uh, against Winnipeg. But um, an Oilers team with this offensive firepower and an offensive depth and the power play shouldn't be too fearful of, of Lauren Poisson. So, again, I, I think it's Vegas' um, uh, you know, their forecheck and, and, and maybe their offensive depth um, combined with, with some defense that they like to get into the rush. Those are the, the, the factors, I think. Oilers and, and fans will be a little bit more, a little bit fearful of anyway. And do you have a prediction in the series? If, if you know, gun to your head, who, who do you think is going to win and maybe in how many games? I said Oilers uh, in, I forget if I said five or six in, in my, uh, in my, uh, I get to do a little yeah. um, picks for the athletic. Five or six, I, I might have said six because that way they, they'd win back at home. Um, yeah, I, I like Edmonton. I mean, I, I think they're the better team. Um, hotter team, like they haven't lost in regulation since March 11. Now, you know, playoff loss, you don't get any points for playoff overtime losses, and they lost two of those. So, um, against the Kings, that is, but I just think they're the better team. I think they've got certainly more firepower, and Vegas' special teams are pretty bad. And when you combine that with the, the owners' power play being what it is, I, I again, I think, especially if Vegas is going to take some penalties, then, then this, you know, the others should have the. A clear advantage there so it'll come down to the Oilers withstanding Vegas's board check and if they do that I think they'll be all right and move on to one of Dallas or, uh, or Seattle and uh so I I know you probably had a Stanley Cup pick you mentioned that you picked the Oilers to, to go to the cup right now the second round just began who's your Stanley Cup pick and, and who do you have winning the Stanley Cup uh right now I would see going into the playoffs I said uh, Edmonton gets to the conference final i can't remember if i said they would win i know that was my pick going into the season that they would get to the cup final um in at the beginning of the season i had edmonton carolina uh i can't remember i think i said boston uh heading into the playoffs uh right now i would i don't know i, I grew up in toronto and i i, 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 I know always, the leafs always seem to find a way to 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 blow it somehow, but man, an Edmonton Toronto Stanley Cup final would be kind of steroids for Canadian hockey fans. Uh, maybe, maybe what would be most intriguing is you know fans of like Calgary or 
or or Montreal or maybe Vancouver teams, you know, cities that hate both the teams and you're kind of like, oh God, what do I do here? But um, yeah, can you imagine, you know, Connor McDavid, the Toronto, you know, new market, Toronto kid going home for, for those games, uh, best player against the the player that a lot of people at Toronto like to think of as the second best player in, in, in Austin Matthews. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I would think Toronto's got to be the favorite coming out of the East now. I don't even, even though they lost game one against Florida, um, you know, I just, I don't know if New Jersey quite has it yet. And, and certainly Carolina just, I really like Andre Sveshnikov and for him to be out and now Tara Vinen and um, been gone for a lot of the year anyway, but to lose some of these guys, like those are tough injuries to withstand over, you know, a full playoff run. So Health is going to matter down the stretch, but I mean, right now I got to think it'll be Toronto and Edmonton in the Cup final, which would be, you know, pure bliss for, for Sportsnet and for Canadian hockey fans. Um, and beyond that, I'll, I'll I'd have to think about who, who would win that series, but um, it would certainly be, be one for, uh, one for the ages in Canada. Well, well, I definitely hope you get to go home and, and cover a Leafs. Uh... Uh, yeah, Leafs Oilers uh, final. I think uh, Sportsnet would just be broken after Game One or something, um, just with all the fans wanting to watch it. Um, and and thanks so much, Daniel, for coming on. Um, I just for for the listeners know I did pick the Oilers at the beginning of the playoffs to beat Boston, so um, my Boston pick didn't look very good, but uh, definitely happy. I'm I'm cheering for the Oilers as a neutral in in the playoffs. I I first want to get lastly, I want to give you the floor. Um, is there anything you're working on going forward that people should know about or, or keep their kind of eyes and ears open for from you at The Athletic? Uh, just a day-to-day kind of playoff coverage at this point. It's, it's a little bit tougher to work on um, features at this time of year because things can change so fast and seasons can end qu- quicker than you, you think they might. Um, so, yeah, just a day-to-day coverage, uh, you know, because we've talked about it a few times. I encourage people to go back and and look at uh, that Connor McDavid feature I was talking about uh, from a couple weeks ago. Um, it was on our, our A1 page, so that might be the easiest cool. way to find it. Um, yeah, and just, you know, continue to follow along, uh, you know, various ways, if, if you like, for my playoff coverage. We found it Twitter at, at DNB Sports and, of course, on, on The Athletic as well, and happy to uh, to have more people reading. So yeah. I hope, uh, hope people do. Well, thanks so much. I'll definitely be uh, reading your articles. And I, I hope, again, that it's a, a Leafs uh, um, Oilers final and you get to cover Stanley Cup because that'd be pretty cool. So thanks, Daniel, so much for coming on and taking the time, especially with the the Oilers in the playoffs. So I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, Alex. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I hope I was able to enlighten you in some way. But uh, if not, then I'm glad we had a great, uh, great talk anyway. No, no, you definitely did. Thanks again. All right.